Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. But all right, gentlemen, today I thought it'd be fun to dive into the defensive side of the football. Obviously, everyone loves what Mike McDaniel and that offense is putting together, but Guys, the Dolphins just signed Vic Fangio this offseason to be the highest paid defensive coordinator in the NFL. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're paid that much money, you think the defense is going to be pretty good. There's a reason you're paying someone to be the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league. So guys, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of look at what the Miami Dolphins are building on the defensive side of the football and how switching from Josh Boyer's engage a mad scientist no ice heavy on the yolo defense to a more conservative uh um, instinctual type defense that Vic Fangio is going to be running so we're going to go through some players and and kind of look at how they're going to look different this year working in that Vic Fangio 3-4 scheme compared to a heavy man 4-3 defensive front so Merrick I want to start with you let's talk a little bit let's talk a little bit about Bradley Chubb and what he can do after he had what eight games in Miami's first season that was kind of derailed by injuries a little bit, but otherwise, I mean, I, I think he was pretty much what you, uh, you, you got what you asked for when you traded for Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Maybe you even got what you expected with the injury aspect of that. Uh, I was uh, going through some stats earlier this morning and dude has trouble staying healthy. I don't know if he's actually played a full uh, 16 or 17 game season since his rookie year. Actually. Yeah, actually I got the stats up right now. Um, and the last time he played a full season was his rookie year in 2018. And believe it or not, that was actually Bradley Chubb's best year in the league. He had 12 sacks, uh, 60 combined tackles. He had 14 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, uh, a pass deflection even. So great year for Bradley Chubb in his rookie season. Um, hasn't really reached those heights since then, but... Last year, he made the Pro Bowl. The only other time in his career that he made the Pro Bowl was in 2020 when he played 14 games for the Denver Denver Broncos who were coached by Vic Fangio. So he had a solid year in 2020. Actually, looking at his, his year last year, a lot of people think he had a down year last year. His 2022 season was actually a little bit better than his 2020 season mm-hmm. where he got elected to the Pro Bowl. He had seven and a half sacks in 2020. In 2022, between the Broncos and the Dolphins, he had eight sacks. Uh, he had 42 combined tackles in 2020, only 39 uh, last season. So a slight dip from there. Uh, nine tackles for loss in 2025 last year. So it, relatively, uh, relatively even stats between 2020 and 2022. Um, but people said he had a down year last year. That That's pretty average Bradley Chubb. But again, he made the Pro Bowl in 2020. That was under Vic Fangio when, when Fangio was a head coach of the Broncos. I think we're going to see a return to form for Bradley Chubb. And now, again, that's with the caveat that he stays healthy. He, he's not a healthy dude. He's missed a lot of time uh, while being in the NFL. So if he can stay healthy, and even Fangio kind of brought that up in, in one of his introductory press conferences when he was with the Dolphins that he knows he knows not just he thinks he knows Bradley Chubb has the potential to be one of the best pass rushers in the NFL but he's got to stay healthy to realize it so let's think back on on Bradley Chubb's rookie year right because I've kind of laid it out for you I've thrown a lot of numbers 
in your direction. Uh, hopefully the listeners have been able to keep up. But his rookie year, his best season in the NFL by far, 12 sacks that year. Didn't actually get elected to the Pro Bowl when he had 12 sacks, uh, probably because he was a rookie and not a household name yet. But he had Von Miller opposite him. I was thinking, yeah. So everyone's projecting a fantastic year. Some are even saying, I've heard Josh say it a few times now, uh, a defensive player of the year type season for Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips will be on the opposite side of Bradley Chubb. And if Jalen Phillips turns in the type of season that a lot of people are projecting for him, that could open things up for Bradley Chubb. He could be seeing less attention from opposing offenses, opposing offensive linemen, and he may get one-on-one blocking more often than he has in the past. And that could be a key to unlocking his his potential, I want to say. It's hard to say potential for a guy who's been in the league since 2018. You know what I mean? He's going to... He's going to be playing in, what, his sixth season coming up here. And he has shown s- some really good tape when he's been healthy. So if he can stay healthy and and maximize the looks that he's going to get with Jalen Phillips on the other side, not to mention other players like Malik Reed and Andrew Van Ginkle and, and, and the other Emmanuel Ogba, the other pass rushers on this team who are also accomplished in that regard. If he can stay healthy and, and maximize what he can do opposite those guys, I think you are going to see a big season from Bradley Chubb. I uh, wanted to give a, a shout out to Chris LaRondo on Twitter. He kind of hit us up late last week asking why more podcasts weren't talking about how big of an impact Bradley Chubb could have on the Miami Dolphins defense in 2023. And it really got me thinking about that, you know, periodically throughout the week between then and now. And when we decided on this topic for today, you know, which players will look, look rejuvenated, so to speak, or even just look different under Vic Fangio, Bradley Chubb was, was the first name that popped into my mind. Obviously he has the connection with Fangio playing in Denver when Fangio was the head coach for the Broncos for three seasons, I think Fangio is going to know how to use him and is going to know how to maximize his skill set best because he does have that experience with him, three seasons with him. So I think Chubb should hit the ground running. I think he'll have an impactful year for the Dolphins. What do you guys think about that? How you feel, yeah, Josh? I'm, yeah, I'm with you, man. I think um, before we end this pod on the Vic Fangio front, I want to at least talk about how close he was to not being in Miami because that's still something that just baffles me. But as far as Bradley Chubb being that guy that's going to come in and rejuvenate you know, underneath Vic Fangio, I think, again, like you mentioned, a lot of it does have to do with his health. I mean, when you pay a guy, what, a five-year extension worth $110 million, you want him to be healthy. So um, I think back to Chris's point, why aren't people talking about him? A lot of fans just kind of look at the stats, right, the sacks and things like that. It don't realize how impactful he was to the rest of that defensive line or how hard of a transition it was for him last season so I think getting you know his former head coach back with him in Miami Vic Fangio being that guy that can maximize potential and you mentioned some of those players around him we didn't even talk about the secondary and what they're going to do for that defensive front up front allowing them more time to get to the pass rusher so uh, when you got Jalen Phillips on one side you got Bradley Chubb on the other I don't know how you game plan that and one of my favorite things about Chubb is the way he's staying after practice helping some of the undrafted guys being that leader in the locker room which you know you don't need that I guess when you make these flashy trades or you sign a guy to a long-term extension but it certainly doesn't hurt and we saw it with Tyree Kill we're seeing it now with Bradley Chubb I think Vic Fangio is going to get the most out of him. But like you said, I did like how he tempered his expectations and say, you know, him and Jalen Phillips both have the potential, you know, to be elite pass rushers. But um, I want to see it before I believe it. And Vic Fangio wants to see it before he believes it. 
So Merrick has provided a lot of really good numbers here. And, you know, he mentioned it 2018 as a rookie, 12 sacks. That's absolutely awesome. Uh, he only played four games in 2019 before making the Pro Bowl in 2020, where he had seven and a half sacks while playing in 14 games. Last year, he was relatively healthy, all things considered, despite uh, suffering a pair of injuries on Christmas Day. He did still play in 16 games. He reached eight sacks. Uh, but looking at these numbers, and it's going to be kind of weird for me to say this out loud the more I think about it, but Bradley Chubb has a standard here of consistency when he can stay on the field that has actually been kind of impressive. You know, you look at that 2018 season, the one set that sticks out to me, quarterback hits 21. In 2020, he was at 19. In 2022, he was at 20. So when Bradley Chubb can stay on the field, he can get to the quarterback. I think that's not really a hard, you know, one plus one equals two to really accomplish with someone like Bradley Chubb. And that's kind of what gets the gears going of, hey, how much can this defense build him up? How much can this defense build up Jalen Phillips to be those sack guys? So, Merrick, do you know what happened in 1989? Name one thing that happened. How about that? (laughs) Okay, one thing in 89, I turned three years old. While you turned three years old? On the Minnesota Vikings, Chris Dolman and Keith Millard combined for 39 sacks, two All-Pros, and Miller earned Defensive Player of the Year honors. I wanted to look this up because that's the most sacks by a combo ever at 39. Could you imagine two guys averaging 19 and a half sacks? I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to get anywhere near that. I was just curious about, you know, if Bradley Chubb has an outstanding season, let's say 16 sacks, he gets like averages almost a sack game. Do we have a discussion of, is there enough room for Jalen Phillips to get his sacks? Is those opportunities soaked up? Apparently not. If two guys can get 19 and a half, I'm not saying the dolphins are going to reach that point, but where do you guys see that limit being in terms of Bradley Chubb is great. He's going to get his sacks, but there are also going to be plays, maybe even the same play where it's not going to be Nadal Kinsu on one side and, and Kim Wake on the other, where they can just meet for the sack and they both equally deserve it and crumble a quarterback. But sometimes the play is going to be empty for the other one. So where do you guys see that ceiling? Well, and I mean, I think we also have to just recognize the fact that sacks are awesome and and they do affect the game, uh, you know, quite strongly. But there are just things that these players do on the field that don't show up on the stat sheet. Uh, I mean, we're talking about in a a Fangio style defense, you know, they're susceptible to the run. Well, they like to play a gap and a half on that defensive line, right? So they're not trying to knife through and beat their guy one-on-one, but they're also not just trying to take up two blockers and just, just kind of stay in one spot and let the running backs run into them. It's kind of like a hybrid, a little bit in between there. Their goal is to bump the opposing running back to the outside where it's easier for the defensive backs to come down and and help make tackles. The Dolphins have defensive backs who like to tackle. Jalen Ramsey, good tackler. Cater Kohu, good tackler. Uh, uh, Brandon Jones coming back. He's a big hitter as well. So if Bradley Chubb is able to do that from from his pass rushing stance, but the, you know they hand the ball off, he's able to get the, the runner to bump outside, and then somebody like a Jalen Ramsey can come down and make the tackle, that's a plus play for Bradley Chubb, but it's not going to show up on the stat sheet. There's no number that you can quantify how well he played that game you know, with, with a play like that. So whether you see it show up in the stat sheet or not, I do think Bradley Chubb is going to have an impactful year. I do think Jalen Phillips is going to have an impactful year. I think Phillips needs to get better at his run stopping if he's going to uh, round out his game, you know, more than just a, a pass rusher. And I think Vic Fangio is the type of guy that's going to allow you to to work on that and get better at that. But as far as both of those guys 
on the field at the same time, complementing each other. You can't really ask for a better duo than that. And I think you've seen that uh, this offseason when a lot of analysts are, are predicting big things for the Dolphins defense and the Dolphins pass rush and defensive ends and, and outside linebackers in general. When we turn back the clock and we think about what the Dolphins did in 2019 in terms of just kind of restarting, bringing in a bunch of draft picks and, and just rebuilding the roster. When you have a bunch of draft picks for one year, that means you're going to reach a point three, four years down the road where everyone's going to be in a contract year. That one year, I go back to the Andre Branch pyramid scheme, just someone who just falls out, gets a contract, they, they uh, maybe outkick expectations, and all of a sudden they're locked into a contract. Joshua. Tell me a little about Raquan Davis, another guy who's entering that final year of his contract, someone who's hoping to get paid and stick around in the NFL for another five, six, seven years. Yeah, before I get on to Raquan, let me just, one quick thing about Bradley Chubb. I think the thing that frustrated fans a lot was there were so many times when he was almost getting that sack, right? And then the play would be completed downfield or whatever, maybe one step too slow. So um, I'm so excited to see what that front can do. But yeah, Raquan Davis, man, contract year. We know a lot of players love to ball out in those contract years. And I feel like he fits his system better. He started 42 out of 47 games with the Dolphins since being drafted. Had 33 tackles last year in a sack. Like Merrick said, the Dolphins were traditionally playing a two-gap scheme. Now they're moving to that one and a half. And I do feel like there's that need up front for that big nose tackle. He's six foot seven. 335 pounds, uh, played 378 of his 582 snaps last season in the A-gap. So, you know, shaded off to one side of the center. But if he just goes right up front, you know, takes on that that center and a guard and allows, like Merrick said, the play to flow around him, let those linebackers and defensive backs to come up and make those stops, I think this might be potentially the biggest year that we see out of Raquan Davis because not only do we need have a fit and a need for that big guy up front, I mean, you're going to have Sealer on one side most likely right in a 3-4 front playing defensive end you're gonna have Wilkins on the other and you're gonna have just a, a behemoth in the middle in Raekwon Davis so um we I don't think we really quite ever saw him live up to that potential where we all remember you know uh Brian Flores getting so excited I think his kids were like high-fiving him and shit once they drafted him I mean this was a guy that you see the pictures of him he just looks like he could just everyone looks like Jakeem Grant next to him so I'm excited to see what he can do in this defense and I think again the fit is um you know perfect for what Dick Fangio is going to ask of those guys up front and when you look at the roster again I just don't know who else you have that can fill that role that Raquan Davis does. So um, he's a guy that I think from last year, he was a solid player, rotational a bit. Um, but I think that's going to, you know, he's going to go to immense heights now in Vic Fangio's defense. And I'm excited to see what he does. But like you mentioned, man, these guys are all going to need to get paid. And I, I don't know. I I don't know where you how you pay these guys, right? Christian Wilkins, Zach Steeler, Raquan Davis, if he balls out. That's a lot of guys in that defensive front that, you know, has looked very good over the last few years that you want to try to keep together. But I just don't think you can. Well, I mean, Tyree Kill will chip in 200 bucks a piece. <laughs> I was going to ask if they could find Kendall Ling for its earring, maybe sell that off for a, for a Raekwon Davis. Paul Solei. <laughs> Merrick, I, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this because I think when we look at the, this, this defensive line, Christian Wilkins is the stud. He's the one you instantly turn your eyes to. When you're watching the film, your eyes, you instantly see the impact he has. Um, Christian Wilkins seems like that disruptive force in the middle. How would him being a disruptive force in a 4-3 differ from someone like Raekwon Davis, who Josh mentioned is much bigger, being disruptive as a nose tackle in a 3-4? So the thing about Christian Wilkins, man, he is a freak, right? Like, yeah, he was he was penetrating the gaps last season, like just quick, first step, just right through. But he was actually getting to the ball carry, you know what I mean? A lot of times when you have a defensive tackle that gets through the line that quickly, it's actually 
it can be a detriment to your defense and it can open up running lanes. But that wasn't the case for Wilkins. When he was getting through the line quickly, he was actually getting to the ball carrier and tackling them almost as soon as they were taking the handoff, which was which was wild. So I don't think we have to worry about Christian Wilkins in this scheme. I think Christian Wilkins uh, is a, a chameleon. He can adapt to any scheme that you throw in front of him. I think he's just a damn good quality football player. And again, we're going to sit here and say, pay the man, pay the man, pay the man until they actually pay the man. But like, man, seriously, what's going on here? Let's get this deal done so we can move on to some others. Raekwon Davis, as Josh mentioned last year of his contract as well, he's looking to get paid. Will it be by Miami? I'm not sure. He's going to have to prove that he can be that uh, that nose tackle that Josh is hoping he can be, that Vic Fangio is hoping he can be. Uh, great minds think alike there, Houts and Fangio. Um, but uh, I think he, he certainly has the build to do it, doesn't he? Six foot seven, three hundred and thirty something pounds there, three hundred fifty pounds, whatever it was. Like that—that's a big boy. That's a big boy in any sport, <laughs> in any walk of life. You see that man walking at you, and your butthole tightens immediately because because <laughs> that's a scary sight. And uh, hopefully he can he can get centers thinking the same thing next season. Uh, I do. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Josh. I do think this will end up being Raekwon Davis's best year uh, as a member of the Miami Dolphins in the National Football League. And again, you probably won't see a lot of it on the stat sheet, but what he brings or what he will bring to that defense as that big boy nose tackle, it should be invaluable. It really should. I got to ask quick, is that butthole tightening a segue to Christian Wilkins? Because we all saw that video of him in college, right, where he literally like stuck his fingers up the dude's crack. I don't know if that was your segue. (laughs) He has a a history of doing some weird things at the bottom of those piles, doesn't he? Christian Wilkins, well, we're going to call it like we see it. He's a tone setter. He's nothing more. He's nothing less. He's what we call a tone setter. Uh, We're actually about to talk to Christian Wilkins and Josh, you nailed that. I do want to ask you one thing, though, because Merrick brought up with the outside linebackers the idea of the point of this Vangio defense isn't to really blow past your assignment and get into the backfield. It's to kind of let a play play out. If it means that a running back is going to bounce by you, it just means the next guy is going to get you. Do you feel like playing in that Josh Boyer 4-3 defense hurt Raekwon Davis? It kind of made him less impactful for him just to have one guy on him because, you know, if you have five guys coming at the quarterback – you need five guys blocking. So when you have just one-on-one with Raekwon Davis, is he able to do what you want him to do? Yeah, I, th- I think it did hold him back a little bit, and I think that's what's so exciting to see because, I mean, like Merrick said, your, your butthole tightens when he comes in that room because he's just such a behemoth, and to think that he's going to take on a center and a guard most likely, you know, in every play and then let the rest of the things happen in front, I mean – uh, yeah, I think Josh Boyer's defense did hold him back a bit because you were using those rotational pieces up front. You had, what, uh, Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins as those defensive tackles in the ends, things like that. So, yeah, I think this is the right scheme for him. And um, I guess the question I'm eventually going to propose and maybe do it on another pod is, you know, if Raquan Davis balls out, do you pay him and Zach Sealer the same salary? Because, I mean, I don't, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, how much is Christian Wilkins going to get paid? Could you get Zach Sealer and Raquan Davis for the same price as a – Christian Wilkins and if Raekwon Davis does you know exceed expectations is that something that you would even consider with how important Christian Wilkins is oh that's scary dude that is such a hard problem to digest and that let's just bring pod. up Christian it can be a whole that, pod it really can man because I started watching Christian Wilkins film and I was under the impression that Miami's run defense has never been fantastic they've never been the stout defensive front and I don't think they necessarily were last year, despite the fact I think they were sixth in rushing yards. I, I'd love to argue that I think they were allowed the sixth fewest rushing yards just because I think opposing offenses knew um, 
you could call their bluff in terms of passing the football, in terms of scheming them up and, and making sure guys are open down the field. But Christian Wilkins, man, was flat out awesome when it came to stopping the run. And, and for some reason in my head since I got here, I thought he was more of a uh, pass defense first defensive tackle, but that is not the case. Not only is he Miami's trash talker, uh, hype man on defense, he led all defensive tackles in tackles with 98, run stops in 55, and run stop win rate. He is the only tackle in the last decade to register 90 tackles. His 2021 total of 89 tackles, nine less than he had last year, was the most by a defensive tackle since 2013. This dude has been the model of consistency. He had 15 at least more tackles than the next closest defensive tackle. And I want to ask you guys just to start. You think of these, I don't even want to say bloated because I don't think that that kind of discredits it. But these numbers are so insane. And you consider that Wilkins is 15 tackles above other defensive tackles. I want to ask you guys simply put, when you think back to the season, does scheme have something to do that with that? That can't just be talent. There are a lot of very good defensive tackles in the league. Is it simply that easy to say, hey, Christian Wilkins is better and he had, that's why he had 15 tackles more than anyone else at his position? I have a hard time kind of just thinking that, too. I don't know. Did Raekwon Davis have those numbers? <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> and, and, you know, but but to your point, Zach Sealer also was a monster in that defense. And, you know, I think – you can it's a cop-out answer but it's a little bit of both right the, the scheme fit him well but he was a, a great fit for the scheme and i just think christian wilkins is going to be a great fit for any scheme and that's why he's going to command 20 million dollars a season they probably should have got in on this a little bit early and, and extended him before last season and maybe you could have got him at 15 16 million a year but now all these defensive tackles are getting paid and 20 million a year is like like bare minimum what Christian Wilkins is going to get. So, uh, I mean, it, it's time to put up or shut up. If you want to keep him in Miami, you got to do it. And it's not just what he brings to you on the field. It's it's the locker room leadership. It's just the mm -hmm. energy he brings to that team. When the offense scores, he's somehow the first guy in the end zone, despite the fact that he, he's not on the field for offensive touchdowns 99.9% .9 of the time. And he's out here jumping on Preston Williams and breaking his foot and everything. You know, that it's – it's collateral damage, really. We're we're okay with that, but uh, I, he's he means so much to the team on the field and off the field that it would just be a shame if they didn't re-sign him and bring him back in Miami. I think that would leave a sour taste in a lot of the fans' mouths, but also a lot of his teammates' mouths as well. Yeah, I was going to cop out too, like Merrick did. I, I was going to say it's probably a little bit of both, and I think a lot of it does have to do with that supporting cast next to him. Zach Sealer, you know, you got, like we mentioned, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips. That defensive line has a lot of playmakers on it, and I do think Christian Wilkins just a baller that no matter what happens, you know, he, the dude can play offense, right? He can catch touchdown passes. He can break out the worm if he has to. He can do a little bit of everything, and I do think, you know, they have to lock him up. I have no idea why they, did, why they waited, why they didn't get ahead of some of these other defensive tackles. You know, the market's just skyrocketing now and you have to pay him because like you mentioned it's going to leave a sour taste in the entire locker room because you traded for a Bradley Chubb immediately paid him you traded for Tyree Kill different position but you immediately paid him you know there's so many different guys that they need to sign long term if you let a Christian Wilkins walk that's gonna it's gonna affect the locker room and it's gonna affect that run game the pass rush everything so um yeah man lock that man up pay the man we'll say it like we always do but Christian Wilkins is a stud, and I don't know that many Dolphin fans were super stoked when that draft pick happened, other than when he almost took Roger Goodell out. I think we mentioned that on a different pod, but um, I think we all absolutely love Christian Wilkins, and the team has, you know, 
rallied around him time and time again. I do think Preston Williams' career, yo, would have been much different. If it wasn't <laughs> I'm just going to say that because I was so uh, hyped on him. But, yeah, he, he was not good. We were looking for things to get hyped on back then, though. Those were slim pickings as Dolphins fans. We didn't have a lot to cheer Crazy for. Crazy how much different this team is now. I mean, the Isaiah Ford days and Preston Williams days and even Lynn, Lynn Bowden. Bowden. Yeah, uh, there it Perry. is. Yeah, yeah. The list. And, and see, it's great because we got to follow the Roberto Wallace, uh, who was the uh, Marlon Moore. We got to follow that era with this era, which is always a pleasure. But I always go back to the Tyree Kill podcast recently. I think it was with Bradley Chubb when he's talking about how the Dolphins have done such a great job of building in the right direction. And when you look at Patient Zero, the original start of building in the right direction after that brutal 2018 season is you draft Christian Wilkins, and he's been an absolute stud ever since. And when I talk about this stuff, I, and when I say how things might be different, it definitely shouldn't be taken in the light of, hey, he's not a good player, because I think we've all made it clear he needs to be paid. But I want to ask you guys, I mean, when you look at what he did last year, I think a lot of it did have to do with the fact that he was given the opportunity to blow by assignments. If you turn on film, most of the time he's double covered. Christian Wilkins is double covered by a center and a guard nearly every snap. But when he isn't, he knows right away, and whether it's a chop block, whether it's just kind of pushing a guy out of his way, he is so great at disengaging and getting into the open field, and as a result, that's how he got those run stops. But is there a way or a path that maybe the Miami Dolphins aren't doing this for maybe one of two reasons or haven't made the contract yet? One, those those tackle numbers have to come down in the new defense. There's, there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be a little smaller than 98 tackles. He is not going to get that close again in the defense. It's a little more conservative and lets the offense uh, kind of play into their um, issues instead of going and just kind of mess them up type of thing. But also I want to ask you guys, he has just 11 and a half sacks in his career, just 3.5 sacks last year. Does Christian Wilkins need to be a better pass rusher, do we feel? Will he be a better pass rusher in this Dolphins uh, defense under Fangio? Especially when you consider, I mean, if we want to pay him like a top defensive tackle, let's look at Chris Jones. He had 15 and a half sacks last season. I'm not saying he has to do that, but let's say if Wilkins reached that seven sack number, do you feel a deal might have already been done by now? Yeah, it's possible. It's possible, but maybe, and again, are we – it might be tinfoil hat time here. Do you think the Dolphins are, are hesitant to give out some of these uh, some of these extensions right now until they figure out what they're going to do with Tua? That's do also think, very possible. Yeah. Do you think they just they want to give Tua this year to see? Okay, can he stay healthy? Last year he proved that when he was healthy, he could be an upper echelon quarterback in the league, especially under Mike McDaniel in this offensive scheme. Do you think that they're like, all right, we he, when he plays, he's really good? But he's been injured every year. If he can get through a season uninjured and he can prove that, you know, putting on the extra weight and doing the jujitsu and all that stuff, that can keep him healthy. And if he can prove that, then they can extend him. And actually extending him is going to uh, give the Dolphins a little bit more cap freedom and, and cap space for next year. Maybe not the years beyond that, but you can structure deals, front load them a little bit for guys like Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. Maybe even a Raekwon Davis like we talked about if he plays well. Maybe you can keep the whole band together if Tua balls out and you give him that extension, you know, because – whether you like it or not, and I know people get tired of the Tua talk and the quarterback talk, 
in general, the quarterback is the most important position on any given football team. He stirs the drink. He's the straw that stirs the drink. So if you know you have your franchise guy and you can plan, you know, he's the one constant in your budget. You know what I mean? He's your mortgage payment. He's the most expensive thing that you're paying for every month. You know, every year your quarterback's going to be your most expensive player if you have the franchise guy. And then you can build the rest of the roster out from that. Right now, they're already paying Tyreek Hill $30 million a year. So he's your quarterback contract, essentially. And they're building the roster out from that. But if you also have to pay your quarterback $35, $40, 45000000 million a year, now we're, we really got to make a lot of business decisions. So maybe they're waiting. Again, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. Maybe they're waiting to see how Tua plays this year. And then they can get his deal done. And once his deal's done and they know how that's structured out, they can fit the rest of these guys in under the cap and structure their deals accordingly to make sure that their numbers are right. I don't know. Just popped into my head. It does seem like waiting kind of hurts, though, in in scenarios like this. I mean, let's say you get into a situation where uh, Tua balls out. And this is a topic for another day. We're already at a half an hour, but... Um, I don't think if Tua plays all 17 games, I don't think there's any way he's pushing for top five quarterback money. I just don't think that's happening. I think it'd be another almost not prove it deal, but I still think he might be like in that top 10 range. I don't know if he'd necessarily be like a through the roof type deal for the quarterback. Uh, But we just saw what happens when you have to pay a a quarterback top tier money. You get two first round picks for Tyree Kill. You would not get that for Christian Wilkins. No chance in hell. But you would be able to get something for him. You would be able to trade him away and get something back. And if you, like we said before, if you traded him last year, I think that only, or excuse me, if you extended him last year, got him on a better contract, that only helps keep him around longer. I think the longer you wait, the easier it is to get rid of them. And I think that's going to be an issue for the Dolphins. But I'm very excited to see what Christian Wilkins looks like. Such a disruptive, such an awesome guy to have on this team. I'm interested to see what you do when you bring in such an uh, established defensive coordinator and let him work his magic. Real quick, before we leave, just a little trivia question. Do you guys know the last time a Vic Fangio-led defense, either as head coach or defensive coordinator, the last time his team ranked in the bottom half of the league for passing yards allowed? Just give me a year. 2006. Josh? Never. (laughs) <laughs> really close jake it was actually 2005 when he was defensive coordinator for the houston texans that is the last time that a vic fangio led defense ranked in the bottom half of the league in passing yards allowed this is a, a, a bend but don't break defense they're daring you to run the ball and at the very least they're not going to let you get those deep passes uh behind you and and who loves to throw deep aaron Rodgers loves to throw deep who loves to throw deep Josh Allen loves to throw deep. Will Mac these – Mac Jones can't. Will these quarterbacks be patient enough against a Vic Fangio-led defense to just dink and dunk down the field and take their chances that way? Or is Aaron Rodgers going to be Aaron Rodgers and who he has been his entire career and take those deep shots because he likes to gamble like that? And if he does do that, well, now you got Javon Holland back there who, who's going to make you pay for that. you got Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard. It's exciting. This, I mean, you're right. You guys are right. Vic Fangio, as the leader of this defense, should turn things around uh, quite a bit. And it's just an exciting time to be a fan of this team and a fan of this defense in particular.